This is an end-time sermon dealing with the importance of our personal preparation for his coming. Our text, Jeremiah 29 and verse 13. I'm sure you are well acquainted with it. It reads, Ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart. I would like to begin with a statement of fact. If you are searching for someone, or should I say, trying to find that someone, the reason is obvious. You have become separated from that someone. Now, for a thought-provoking question, do you understand what is involved in the statement separated from God? Better still, let me phrase the question in these words. Do you comprehend what actually takes place when an individual becomes disconnected from God? Could separation or disconnection from God mean a loss of all contact with God? Now, think it through. You are listening to be fed, and I intend to stir up your spiritual enzymes that the food you receive will be spiritually digested to give you strength. Could an experience called separation from God mean that God through the Holy Spirit would no longer plead with you? In other words, no possible salvation? Now while you are considering this situation, let me describe an actual experience that came to me some years ago when I was spending a whole month in the land of India in behalf of our worldwide youth work, which at that time was entitled Share Your Faith. I was traveling with a young, with the youth leader of that world division. We were not far from the famous Ganges River which was thought to be a holy river, worshipped as a god by millions of Hindus. On its bank, near the Himalayan mountains, there are many Hindu schools and temples. Here, drugs are employed to enhance spiritual reception of mystic pagan philosophy. As we made our way through the crowds of these heathen worshipers, I beheld a sight that I shall never, never forget. Coming toward us was a band of American youth, I should judge somewhere between 25 or 30, young men and young women. 
the like of which I have never seen in any place in the world in my world travels. These American youth were in rags and they were in a starving condition. It was a cold day. I noticed that some of the girls were pregnant. Others were carrying sickly babies in their arms. Many of these youths were half naked for lack of clothing. I was aghast. I asked, where did these young people come from and what are they doing here in India? Then I was told how these youth had left America to come to India to study Hinduism such as what we call today yoga and with the anticipation to secure all the drugs that they wanted which were available anywhere. You will remember of course that in the 70s youth rebellion started in what we know today as the hippie movement and most of these young people came from well-to-do homes but now they are, were in a rebellious state of mind. They were looking for something they knew not what. And believe me, they found it. The Hindu black market had stolen their American passports and all of their papers. When they became drunk or under the influence of some drug, these passports with their papers were immediately sold for an enormous sum of money. And those who bought them would have them falsified. And through these passports, they obtained entrance into America under false pretense. This explains why our American youth were wandering in a foreign land without any place to go, hungry, starving, and half-naked. They were separated. They were disconnected from their loved ones without food and shelter, living in a foreign land, worse off than the lowest castes among the Hindus. What a sad, sad picture of American youth. I watched those starving Americans go into the Hindu temple where they were given filthy meat covered with vermin to eat. No Hindu would eat such flesh for this had been offered to the Hindu idols. It was uncooked. It had been lying in dirty dishes all day, covered with flies and with the dust of sacred cow manure. What a sight to behold, watching those youth eating such filthy flesh to eat the pangs of hunger, to ease the pangs of hunger. Would you consider these hard facts? These youth were separated from their birth country and without any possibility of ever 
returning to America. I know how I used to guard my citizenship papers and my passport as I traveled in other countries. I used to take a four-inch baby diaper safety pin to secure them within the inside pocket of the coat I was wearing. I remember one time having mine stolen, and they can do it so quickly. Two or three will jostle you, and as you try to gain your balance, they will slip their hand within your coat pocket and take them out without you even knowing it. I was told that these youth could never again return to America. Why? For the records showed that they had already returned. Of course, someone else came to America in their place. Now, let me get very serious. When Adam sinned, we know that by this act he separated himself from God. He literally disconnected himself from deity. But thanks to the precious Son of God, a plan of salvation was developed whereby through the atonement of Christ, Adam and Eve could be reunited once more with their Creator. So, when we read the words as found in Signs of the Times, March 10, 1887, that they were wholly separated from God, this term God uses in his invitation, calling the lost to repentance. This term is designed to arouse the individual to see his true condition and to be reunited with God once again. Thank God, wholly separated or disconnected does not necessarily mean that there has to be an internal separation from God. Paul definitely revealed how our alienation may be healed by Jesus. Notice his words in Colossians 1.21. And you, that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he received. Did you notice those words, you who were alienated? That means separated. And then it says enemies. Where? How? In your mind. You see in Manuscript 72, it tells us that the mind is that which instigates sin. Notice I'm quoting. The mind controls the whole man. Thus, these bodies of ours, with the results of sin upon them, which today we call sinful heredity, is not of themselves sin, 
as erroneously taught by the teachings of the original sin doctrine that you will find in the Roman Catholic Church. On the other hand, the mind is that which either connects or separates from God. For the man is controlled by his mind. The term separated from God refers to a man with a carnal mind who has not been born again of the Holy Spirit and is therefore separated from the spiritual life of God. Man was originally created in a state of purity. In the book Healthful Living, page 9, we read, man was a fit temple for the indwelling of the Creator. And in Bible Commentary 1084, speaking of this condition, we read, having the law of God engraved upon the tablets of the mind. In other words, Adam and Eve in Eden were partakers of divine nature. They were connected with God constantly. But as the consequences of sin in Eden, they lost their intimate connection or their union with God. They lost the robe of light which had previously surrounded them. The nakedness of their body now vividly illustrated the present nakedness of their soul. For he was separated from divine nature, which he had lost. And this is the very thing that Jesus has come to restore in us the very essence of the gospel, the restoration of man to his original condition at creation. Paul speaks of this. I should say Peter speaks of this in 2 Peter 1, verses 2 to 4. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God, and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Historic Seventh-day Adventists do not accept the original sin doctrine, which is a heresy developed by St. Augustine, for if it is accepted and believed, it will lead to the false doctrine of predestination in which some are selected by God to live eternally 
or to be lost. But we feel 100% safe in following the scripture in which the term separated represents the loss of man's connection with God through sin, for which Christ offers a remedy. How beautiful to understand that when we refer to man being separated from God or of a baby having been born separated from God, we do not infer that such a one is cut off from the nearness of God, for there is a plan of salvation in operation. God watches over the formation of an individual in the womb. He forms every cell. Every heartbeat is created by him. And when born, God furnishes the power for every breath. Every hair of the head is numbered. Angels are sent to watch and protect the little one. And when this child becomes an adult and still remains in a state of separation, God is ever near. He constantly sends the spirit to speak to the mind. He entreats with the invitation, come, producing conviction, repentance, surrender, and a spiritual life through the word. Providence thus ministers and teaches us of the way to God. The sinner is constantly being led into a response. The person who is in a state of separation is not connected with God or is a partaker of divine nature. Therefore, he is lost. Just as Adam was lost in Eden. Until man closes his probation by persistent refusal to the truth, Christ remains near, so near that we are told he stands at the heart's door, knocking, calling us to open the door that he may come in. But when the sinner responds by refusal to open the door, he remains in a lost condition, separated from God. Now let us consider Adam at his creation. The Spirit of Prophecy states, and I am reading from Bible Commentary 7, page 926, God created him connected with the Father and the Son. Isn't that beautiful? The very opposite of a state of separation. This is what enabled Adam to live a sinless life before he fell. You know, there are those that think that uh, he could live forever because he was able to eat of the tree of life. And this is true to a certain extent.
But the fact that he was connected with God the Father and God the Son is what enabled him to live a sinless life. Desire of Ages, page 161. From eternal ages, it was God's purpose that every created being, from the bright and holy seraphim to man, should be a temple for the indwelling of the Creator. In Bible Commentary 1, 1082, the Lord created man out of the dust of the earth, and he made Adam a partaker of his life, his nature. Now, did you notice that it was through the indwelling of the Creator that Adam and Eve were partakers of God's divine nature? meaning they were partakers of his life. The law of God, we are told, and I'm quoting, was written upon their hearts, unquote. This is identical to that which is promised in the new covenant experience. Now, Follow these statements very closely. I'm going to read four or five of them. Bible Commentary 1, page 1084. Adam and Eve, at their creation, had knowledge of the original law of God. It was imprinted. Did you notice those words? It was imprinted upon their hearts. In Great Controversy, 467, in the beginning, man was created in the image of God. He was in perfect harmony with the nature and the law of God. The principles of righteousness were written upon his heart. Again, in Signs of the Times, April 22, 1886, when Adam and Eve were created and placed in their Eden home, they had a knowledge of the law that was to govern them. Its precepts were imprinted on their hearts by Jehovah himself, and they were acquainted with its claims upon them. Perhaps this can all be summed up in this beautiful statement in Selected Messages 3, page 133. All was a sinless transcript of himself. So it's very clear. Adam and Eve received power to live sinless lives. How? Through the indwelling of their creator. By a close communion with God. Review and Herald, February 11, 1902. They were to live in close communion with heaven, receiving power from the source of all power. Upheld by God, they were to live sinless lives. But perhaps it's good here for us to remember that regardless of the purity of Adam and Eve at their creation, 
in themselves they possess no inherent spiritual power as an inseparable part of themselves. In order for Adam and Eve to live sinless lives, it was necessary for them to daily, continually receive power from God, the source of all power. Like you have a machine and you plug it into the electricity, it runs only as long as it is connected. If you pull the plug, the power stops. It was not possible, as some would have you to believe, that unfallen man or any angel of heaven could obey and live without being a partaker, a daily partaker of divine power from God. It was the plan of the Creator that the mind of the sinless man in Eden was to be controlled by the divine mind. Signs of the Times, May 31, 1896. God created him that every faculty might be the faculty of his divine mind. Now, with such a purpose... God gave man the power of choice. Man could choose to remain united to the source of power, his creator, permitting God to continually guide his mind, or he could separate himself from his indwelling presence and power. Sadly, Adam and Eve chose separation. Thus, when man disregards the divine spirit, their minds come under the control of another spirit, the spirit of Satan. This is how they became lost in Eden. So what did Adam really lose in the fall? Desire of Ages 161. Because of sin... Humanity ceased to be a temple for God. Darkened and defiled by evil, the heart of man no longer revealed the glory of the Divine One. Ministry of Healing, page 419. Sin brought separation between man and his Maker. And you will recall that separation is the very opposite from connection with God. Desire of Ages 203. By sin, we have been severed from the life of God. Review and Herald, May 3, 1906. When Adam apostatized, he placed himself on Satan's side. His very nature became evil, for he became separated from God. And one other. Signs of the Times, June 18, 1894. Man lost his righteousness through transgression. You know, we have no idea of the sorrow that filled heaven 
when man yielded. In Signs of the Times, February 13, 1893, she told us, When man sinned, all heaven was filled with sorrow. For through yielding to temptation, man became the enemy of God. A partaker, and notice these words, a partaker of the satanic nature. The image of God in which he had been created was marred and distorted. The character of man was out of harmony with the character of God, for through sin man became carnal, and the carnal heart is enmity against God. It is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. In Patriarchs and Prophets, page 67, Adam in his innocency had enjoyed open communion with his maker, but sin brought separation between God and man. And the atonement of Christ alone could span the abyss and make possible the communication of blessing or salvation from heaven to earth. Man was still cut off from direct approach to his creator, but God could communicate with him through Christ and his angels. In Bible Commentary 1, page 1084, when Adam and Eve sinned against God, the light of the garments of heavenly innocence from them. And why not? For they had unplugged themselves from the source of power, just as you unplug the lamp and the light goes out. So the light of the garments of heavenly innocence departed from them. And in parting with the garments of innocence, they drew about them the dark robes of ignorance of God. What a picture this portrays. Christ Object Lessons, page 165. So by sin, man lost his connection with God. Of himself, he had no means of salvation. He was an Eden, but he was lost. So, we can understand what this means in our lives. The result of their separation also brought the impossibility of sinless living without God dwelling within them. And the result of separation in our lives makes it impossible for us to live sinless lives without an indwelling God. In the book Redemption 44, it was not possible for man out of Eden, separated from the light and the love of God since the fall, to resist the temptations of Satan in his own strength. So the picture is clear. 
Now, would you permit me to extract the key phrases that I have been reading to you? These are direct quotes concerning what happened when Adam fell. Notice, he lost his connection with God. He lost his open communion with his maker. He lost his source of divine power to resist Satan. He lost his beautiful garment of light and love. He became an enemy of God, a partaker of satanic nature. His mind became carnal, a mind that could not obey the divine law. The law of God was no longer imprinted upon his heart. His very nature became evil. He drew about him the dark robes of ignorance of God. He ceased to be the temple of God, for Satan controlled his mind. Thus, fallen man was in a state of continual opposition to the mighty God. In Review and Herald, October 24, 1912, there is in human nature, when separated from the source of truth, a continual opposition to God's will and ways. For the mind controlled by Satan is weak in moral power. Can such a one, without a change, be taken to a holy heaven? Oh, no! Unquote. Ellen White tried to impress it upon us that it is impossible to go to heaven without being connected with God. We hear from the pulpits today that we may sin till Jesus comes and then go to heaven. That's a lie. There must be a connection of the divine power within our life which will give us victory, or we shall never see his face. In Testimonies to Ministers 79, Satan takes the control of every mind that is not decidedly under the control of the Spirit of God. So at creation, man was not made to be inseparable from God, if this had been so, he could never have fallen. He would have been a mere automaton. But rather, he was constantly dependent upon God to reach above his humanity for a fresh supply of divine grace every day. Just as Jesus did every day in his life. In the Acts of Apostles, page 56, Christ, during his life on earth, sought his Father daily for a fresh supply of needed grace. Now, the method of receiving divine power, the method of receiving this power, was not different from Adam 
than it is for us today. Jesus would have failed as a man if he had not pleaded with God every single day for power. May I be so bold right here to make a suggestion that the day that Adam and Eve fell under the temptation of Satan was a day that they forgot their morning family worship. Thus they failed to secure the divine power that was needed for that very day. Perhaps Adam felt so busy that very morning in the need to prune his fruit trees that he skipped his morning devotion seeking divine help. Maybe Eve let the business of the day distract her from seeking God that very morning. Perhaps the vines were encroaching her beautiful view of Eden. Perhaps there were flowers at her front door that needed her attention. Maybe the dishes needed to be washed. Now, really, I don't believe Eve did the dishes, but you know what I'm talking about. When we let the cares of this life interrupt the connection with God that we need for power, we will be sure to fail that very day. Brother and sister, my dear youth, and I'm speaking even to those of you who are children, the secret of receiving divine power is no different today than in the day of Adam and Eve. As long as they remembered to seek God constantly, they remained sinless. And this lesson must be learned by us. In the book Acts of the Apostles, page 55, I read, Those only... Now that really brings it down to a few, doesn't it? Those only who are constantly receiving a fresh supply of grace will have power proportionate to their daily need and their ability to use that power. And so the lesson that I would bring to you in this presentation, I trust you will take home and put it in your hearts. For it is very obvious that Adam and Eve did not reach above their humanity on the day they sinned. They had not reached for a fresh infusion of divine grace. And where do I get that? I found that in Signs of the Times, December 3, 1902. Satan charmed the first Adam by his sophistry, just as he charms men and women today, by leading them to believe a lie. And now these words. Adam did not reach above his humanity for divine power. He believed the words of Satan. There it is. Adam and Eve that day had not reached out for the divine power, the connection that they needed with God 
and when the devil came upon them, they fell. They became lost in Eden. I cannot emphasize enough how important it is for you and me to be daily seeking a fresh supply of God's grace. We may know all the truth. We may be members of God's true family. And so were Adam and Eve. But without this personal connection with God, we will never have victory over Satan. Yes, Adam and Eve were lost in Eden. And we can be in God's church today, and we too can be lost. As one who fervently believes in the Lord's soon return, I believe it is so near. We must experience a complete victory and to be sealed before that day. I'm asking you, will you join me in a deeper daily commitment with God? What does the scripture say? Ask, and ye shall receive. For let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. As he attained daily victory over Satan in his personal connection with God, we may also experience the same in our lives. In our next presentation, entitled Lost in Eden, number two, we will study how the divine nature of God can be restored in our lives. Remember, ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart. Jeremiah 29, 13. As Adam and Eve were lost in Eden amid the handiwork of God, so we too may be lost in God's true church by and through a neglect to daily ask for divine power. Loving Father, as we close this study, there comes upon me a mighty appeal to ask each individual if they will not determine anew to open every day of their life in a renewed connection with God in prayer. Ask and to receive the power of the Almighty that we might have power to overcome Satan. In this experience, we must prepare for the end time and to see Jesus unafraid when he comes. So bless us today. May the Holy Spirit lead us into this renewed connection with God 
as a daily matter in our lives. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.